Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm very excited to be here with you today. And today's episode, I'm going to talk about attraction or lack of attraction. And there was a great submission by somebody in the You Love and You Learn community who listens to the podcast and they shared a very vulnerable passage with me of just kind of their experience around lack of attraction. They shared just that they feel so guilty about it. There's so much shame around it. And I want to read some of the things that they shared with me, and then that will set us up for talking about lack of attraction or attraction in relationships through the rest of the episode. So this person reached out and they shared that they tend to nitpick or have hyperfixations about small, superficial, or specific physical traits about their partner, like his teeth, hair, posture, or mannerisms. She shared that this deteriorates their whole relationship perspective, and she wonders if she's attracted to him, if she ever can be, and if she'll be happy or be able to love him. Then she also shared that There's a lot of shame around how silly she feels when she gets so hung up on looks and throws the whole reality of her relationship out the window. She feels like they were the exact right person, but if they looked different or to her ideal standard, then all these questions would go away. Furthermore, it leads her down the road of thinking that she's just not with someone who's fully right, and right is in quotation marks, or looks the way I need them to look to be attracted, and therefore this is quote, quote, not the right person. And then last but not least, it is ruining her life and happiness with a partner right now. They are probably the best and kindest, most peaceful person she's ever met, and yet here she is questioning the whole future because she's not sure if they have enough hair. Ugh. That UGG was also in the message as well, and I can just so relate to that. And I want to unpack some of the pieces that I'm seeing here, and I feel like the podcast is great because this is almost like a little window into what it might be like if we were sitting down and doing a coaching call, but... The thing is with the coaching calls that I do with my private clients or in group, I get to ask a little bit more specific questions to this person that they can actually engage with me. Whereas on a podcast, first of all, I'm talking into a microphone that is actually not going directly towards anybody. So it's kind of funny, actually, when you sit and record a podcast, um, you're just on your own. But I do picture, of course, people listening and I picture the type of person who would need to hear what I'm about to say. And I'm able to kind of show up in a more coachy way than I can do on a 30 second reel on Instagram or in written form on a blog. So That's why I like the podcast is because the way that I'm talking to you right now is similar to ways that I would show up in a coaching session, yet, of course, coaching sessions get a little bit more personalized. 
So now let's unpack some of these pieces that you just heard around the attraction. And the first thing I want to start off with is just saying that I want to remind you, you never have to be in a relationship, right? It's always a choice. It's a choice to be in a relationship. It's a choice to continue being in a relationship. And this podcast is not intended to persuade you to leave or stay in your relationship. However, when I'm going to talk about attraction here in this context, I'm going to talk about it from the angle of someone who seems to want to be in a relationship but has a block around attraction. Now, of course, at any point, someone can decide that this is not a relationship they want to be in. But the way that this question read to me was, I wished that I could be in this relationship and that my feelings around attraction could change. So that's how I'm interpreting this. But I think it's always an important reminder that you are the one intentionally choosing to be somewhere or not. And even by not choosing, it's still kind of a choice because you're still letting whatever's happening, happening. And so just putting the responsibility back on yourself and putting yourself back in the driver's seat is always a great intention whenever you're listening to any of my podcast episodes. So let's break down the shame around how silly this person feels getting so hung up on looks and feeling like it throws the reality of their relationship out the window. The last thing I want to do in this episode is add any more shame onto the shame that this person's already feeling or to whoever is listening, you are probably feeling some shame if you can relate at all to what this person submitted because it feels icky to not be feeling the way that we quote quote think we should be feeling about something and the way that we think we should be feeling in our relationships coming from media and just coming from common phrases and advice that we hear is that we should be feeling attracted all the time, 24-7, fully infatuated, that we should want to walk in the door and rip our partner's clothes off at any moment. And that's kind of what we've been taught, honestly. And maybe we realize that that's not exactly how it needs to go, but the messaging is really ingrained in us. And so The last thing I want to do is add any more shame around not feeling that way. If anything, I'm hoping to bring a much more compassionate lens to this. And please know as you're listening, I don't want you to use anything you're hearing in this episode or really any of my other episodes, but especially as we talk today, please don't use this information against yourself. Just consider the ideas, see what lands with you, see what doesn't, and just use it as a way to expand your definition of attraction. I think what's important to address here is that the shame that's being added on top of not feeling attracted to your partner is probably adding on more hurt and more disconnection to the existing lack of attraction that's there. Because the lack of attraction is already painful. It's already causing disconnection. It's already causing shame. And then judging the lack of attraction or yourself for having lack of attraction as bad or wrong is just piling on more and more stuff on top of the already uncomfortable experience. So let's try to get to a place that is less shame-based and more compassion, and I'll talk more about that here. So another thing I wanted to acknowledge here when it comes to shame around just feeling lack of attraction for our partner is that shame really hurts 
us, the person who's holding it. And I think that when we can't accept or tolerate imperfections in others or in ourself, then that's what causes a lot of shame or judgment or guilt. And especially when it comes to ourself, if we can't tolerate any imperfections, such as the imperfection of not feeling fully attracted to somebody and feeling shallow for it, if we can't accept that sometimes as a human, we are going to judge somebody or sometimes we might have a moment of being shallow if we can't make space for that part of ourselves at all and we just banish it as bad or wrong and horrible, then we're going to always feel bad about ourselves because humans are imperfect. And it first starts with acknowledging that it's okay for us to be imperfect. It's okay for us to have parts of ourselves that are judgmental. It's okay for us to have parts of ourselves that may be a little bit shallow and then when we can be kinder to those parts, they probably won't act up as much. And when they don't act up as much, they may not act up as much towards other people in our life, such as our partner. But when we try to shame or banish or judge these parts of ourselves, then not only are we already doing the thing that we don't want to do, such as judging, but then we're judging ourselves for judging. And it becomes this vicious cycle. Do you see what I mean? how we're judging ourselves for judging someone else, a judgment of a judgment. So let's try to stop some of the judgment of ourself so that hopefully we can stop some of the judgment of the other person as well. That doesn't mean we will never judge somebody, but when we can be a little bit kinder to ourselves for initially doing it in the first place, then maybe by being kinder to ourselves, we'll actually then be kinder to others. I hope what I'm saying is making sense here. So the solution that I want to propose initially from the jump is to give yourself compassion. Just like you are shaming your partner's looks in a way, you're also shaming yourself for feeling this way. And I want to propose that you're feeling this way because of certain external circumstances or internal circumstances that have led you to react in this way. And instead of then writing that off as you're such a bad person, you're horrible, just making more peace with the fact that, okay, there's probably some reasons why my brain is throwing all of these thoughts at me, judging my partner's attraction. There is a lot of external conditioning that has led us to believe that the external of somebody is more important than the internal when we are deciding for a life partner many times. Like, oh, well, are they tall, dark, and handsome? Or are, you know, like you need to make sure that there's an instant chemistry and that you're so attracted to them. Specifically, we have been taught, just because this was mentioned in the submission, that a full head of hair is better than not having parts of your hair, or that a straight smile is better than a crooked smile. So these are things that have been indirectly or directly shared to us through media, through messages, through advice, whatever it is. And I talked about this in an episode with Alex Bishop. I believe that was episode 12 or 13, but talking about the anxious parts of ourselves. And basically what we talked about is that Attraction can be something that was really highlighted as important when we were growing up in our family, perhaps. 
um, or also just generally societally. It's been so highlighted. And so it can be really hard to let go of this. And there's parts of us internally that really do value the physical appearance. But what if you could accept that there is a part of you, yes, that has been conditioned to feel that way, but there is also another part of you that feels differently, a part of you that does find your partner attractive, that did get drawn into this person for some reason. And what we would need to do in order to actually believe that is to redefine attraction. If we redefined attraction as what draws us in to the full person in front of us, not just the outer shell, what draws us into this person in general, it was very clear that there were things in this submission that did draw this person into their partner. They're the best, kindest, most peaceful person. I'm sure there's much more than that. But there's something about this person that does draw us in. And so if we could dip into this part of ourself that does find our partner attractive, while also making peace with the part of ourself that judges and nitpicks our partner, then we would have a much more well-rounded view of how we are perceiving this person. And I'll even add an extra little layer here. There, I believe in all of us, is a part that loves without conditions. Now, I'm not saying that every single situation should not have conditions, right? You know, we live in a conditional world a lot of the times. So I'm not saying you just should always love someone unconditionally if they're mistreating you or something like that. But human to human, heart to heart, soul to soul, I believe that there is a part of us that does love humans, just like we are all human and there's a part of us that can love other humans without conditions. Again, this doesn't mean that we should just be with anyone and in any relationship. But if there's something that did draw us into a relationship, I believe that we can always tap back into that without the conditions on top of this needs to be exactly how I need it to be. I think that if we want to start changing our beliefs on attraction to some of what I just shared, which is that attraction is not just the outer shell or attraction is based on a full person or attraction can be what draws us into somebody, not just physically. We absolutely can do that. It's something over the last few years I've really worked at intentionally, but I think that we have to consciously choose to unlearn old narratives around attraction and relearn new narratives around attraction if we want to, if we think that will help us, if we think that that will feel better to us. Because there is going to be no shortage of information that says, if you don't feel attracted, just leave. Or you have to feel attracted to somebody to have a loving, healthy relationship. And that option will always be available for you to listen to. But it sounds like from this person's submission, and maybe to those of you who are listening to this, it sounds like that there is also a part of you that wants a new path and wants to have an expanded perspective on attraction. And so I just want to encourage you that even if it takes time, there's absolutely ways that you can shift your beliefs around attraction. 
Okay, next I wanted to go into the piece of this submission that talks about nitpicking and hyperfixations on the small things, the superficial things, their words, not mine, the physical traits like hair, teeth, posture, or mannerisms. They went on to say, I feel like if this person was exactly the person they are right now, but looked different or to my ideal standard, then all the questions would go away. It leads me to question if this person is right or if they look the way I need them to look to be attracted and therefore is not the right person. When I read this, basically what I'm hearing in direct words is if this person would change, then I would be happy. So basically, there's two things about this here that I want to unpack. The first part, if this person would change, and the second part, then I would be happy. So it goes without saying that We've probably heard this advice before, right? We can't necessarily change somebody, Um, especially like physical appearance wise. I mean, like you can change someone's clothes, you can get a new haircut, whatever. You can get Invisalign, stuff like that. But like that's always going to be the other person's decision. We can't physically change somebody. It has to be something that they want to do for themselves. And so I think at some point, based on the person's question of like, what do I do? This is causing me a lot of pain and anxiety. We have to acknowledge that the thing that would need to change in this dynamic is us. So we can't change this other person. And I think that's important to address because if we can't change somebody else, then that puts the ownership back on us. And that is something that we do have the power to do. We can change our beliefs. We can change our actions. We can change our behaviors. So that's great because it puts us again back in this driver's seat. But the second part of this phrase that I wanted to acknowledge of if this person would change, then I would be happy is the then I would be happy part. Basically, I would be happy if everything around me was exactly what I needed it to be. If external circumstances are just right, then my life will be easier, better, more perfect, all the things. And while this is a great view to have just to kind of live life on this, if everything goes my way, I'll, I'll be happy and perfect, all of that. I think we can all acknowledge that maybe that's not quite how life operates, where everything around us just needs to be under the right circumstances for us to be happy. It's a very, I don't want to use this word actually because it is a little shame-based. What I was going to say was it's a victim mindset that everything around us needs to go exactly how we want it to be in order to be happy. But what I'll say instead is this mindset makes it hard for us to actually feel happy. That's what I'll say. Again, I'm not trying to add any shame onto this already shamey topic. I want you to feel like you're able to actually understand yourself and give yourself some kindness and compassion for it. The reason why it's tempting to think that if other people will change, then we will be happy is because perhaps there was a time when all of us, when we were growing up, we did get that sort of treatment. So when we were literally young and babies, we learned from caretakers that we could basically be doted on and that everything would work out for us. And all we needed to do was cry or go to the bathroom or smile and giggle and everyone would kind of react to us. And depending on how you were raised as well, 
if you grew up in a dynamic where things were always kind of going your way, then it can be really confusing when things don't always go your way. And it can be kind of this disappointment of, oh, being part of being an adult is like actually things not going my way all the time and being disappointed. But when we're in this mindset of if this person would change, then I would be happy, it basically takes away all of our personal responsibility for being happy or being fulfilled, and it places it on someone else or something else. And so when we can realize that, that we're doing that, and it's all unintentional, of course, we're not trying to fall into this belief system or patterns, I'm sure. So we can be kind to ourselves when we realize this is what we're doing. But when we realize that we're in this place, we can then question and ask ourselves, okay, how can I take some personal responsibility for my happiness and well-being here? How can I take some responsibility for me feeling good without everything around me needing to feel good? Sometimes that can be through proactive practices like taking time every morning to check in with yourself, breathe, to have some sort of morning ritual to start off your day. It can be through having a mindfulness practice that brings you back into the moment when you start noticing yourself getting swept up in anxiety. Whatever it is, when we are then back in the driver's seat and things around us can happen, but we're not so reactive to those things, we're able to feel much more in control of how we're showing up. Whereas when we are in a place of if everything else around us would change, then I would be happy, then we are not allowing things to actually unfold as they are. We're trying to control everything else around us. And again, this is unintentional. I think that when we're trying to control things around us, it actually is coming from a place of wanting to get safety, wanting to get things in order, wanting to feel good. But when we can kind of switch that around to actually controlling what we can control, which is our own thoughts, our feelings, our actions, our beliefs, then that really puts us back in a place of being more in the driver's seat versus trying to fix everything else around us. And I'll make a quick edit there. When I say controlling our thoughts, I we can't necessarily control the thoughts that just pop up. What we can control is our beliefs and our actions and our responses to whatever thoughts or circumstances are happening around us. So to kind of wrap up this section on the nitpicking and feeling like if everything was right about someone else, then the thoughts would go away or the feelings would go away. I think that it is true that there could be someone you're in a relationship with where you are not nitpicking as many specific features of them. That is true. So I don't want to deny that. I don't want to say that, oh, you'll never nitpick anybody um, or there's never someone that you wouldn't find more attractive than your partner. However, we don't get to go shopping for the perfect qualities and looks of a partner like we're at a department store. That's not something that we can necessarily do. Um, Of course, we can continue dating around if that's something we're interested in. We always have that option. We're always allowed to decide that we want to keep dating around, that we want to continue meeting people. That option is available to us. But When we are deciding whether or not to be with somebody, we get the full person. We get the full person. We don't get a specific list of qualities that we can kind of leave out of this person. We get the full person. And that also goes 
towards ourselves as well. And so sometimes when I'm thinking about attraction, I like to kind of flip the script, if you will, and remind myself that Nate, by choosing to be with me, gets the full person, the full person that sometimes wakes up with hair looking like George Washington because it's like hanging over my eye mask, with the person that gets acne, with the person that, you know, gets super, super pale in the winter and feels super white. And I sometimes wish I wasn't so pale. The person that wears her hair in a messy bun and doesn't always shower right after she gets home from the gym, like whatever it is. Nate is also consciously choosing me and my full self, just like I'm consciously choosing him and his full self. And so when we can actually give compassion to ourselves that we are our full person and someone else is choosing our full self, hopefully it can help us realize that we're actually doing the same for someone else too. Okay, a couple more points I want to make here in response to what this person shared, and then I'll add a few last things to consider about attraction. So this person acknowledged that it can deteriorate her whole relationship perspective when she wonders if she's attracted to him and if she can ever be attracted and if she'll ever fully be happy and able to love this person. And I think this is the part where I really noticed where anxiety and the thinking brain was coming in as a form of protection and a form of protection to some level of uncomfortable feeling because the wondering if I'm attracted or will I ever be and and all of that, that's fully up in the mind. And what I don't see very much of is actually acknowledging the uncomfortable feelings that are coming up as a response of this whole situation around attraction. And I think that's really important. And I noticed that there could be potentially multiple different categories of feelings that are being blocked. And all of these feelings are feelings of discomfort in some way, likely for this person or for anyone listening. The feelings that are being blocked from coming up because of the overthinking are likely uncomfortable. That's why we overthink, because feeling our feelings is actually really uncomfortable sometimes. And so we try to distract ourselves just by thinking, thinking, thinking. And the two categories or the types of feelings that I thought of that could be being blocked here are one, feelings of love and affection. So when this person or whenever I do this or whenever you listening are like, oh, like my partner doesn't look attractive right now. I just I can't even like I just don't want to I don't feel like connected to them. I don't want to be with them. This actually can be a protective mechanism for us to not feel the vulnerability of love, of giving or receiving love. And essentially what we're doing if we close up and say, well, this person's unattractive to me right now, is we basically put up a wall or a shield that says, I can only give or receive love if my partner looks good or if the conditions around us are good. And what's actually happening is the thing that you want the most, that we all want the most, love and connection, then gets completely shut down and you don't feel like you're able to give the love that you want to give and you probably close yourself off from receiving love that your partner may be wanting to give you in that moment. And so this is another way we can be kind and compassionate with ourselves and say like, wow, I'm really actually 
unintentionally blocking myself from something that I really, really want, which is love. And this must mean that I'm really, really scared. There's actually something I'm scared of underneath here when it comes to love. And really allowing yourself to sit with that. Like, what am I afraid of here? And is there something really coming up that is actually scary here? Which leads me to the second category of uncomfortable feelings that could be blocked, which is feelings of fear or feelings of disappointment, feelings of sadness. Maybe there's a fear that love is actually not as perfect as we thought it was going to be in the movies or a fear that we might be choosing the wrong partner or a fear that, you know, things might not work out in love and relationships or there could be a disappointment that we don't actually get to always be with our ideal standard or that we don't get to go shopping for perfect qualities of somebody at a department store. And so instead of actually being present with the discomfort of fear or grief or sadness, we just spend our time up in our head thinking. Or instead of being in the discomfort that sometimes comes of giving and receiving love because it's vulnerable, we just then go up in our head and start thinking about all the ways our partner isn't attractive, we're analyzing, we're thinking. And so when we're up in our head analyzing, we're really not in a place to be open-hearted and loving. And again, I want you to give yourself so much compassion for that because really, I think what we would all acknowledge that we want to do is be as open-hearted and loving as possible. And when we're not in that place, it's clearly because something is really blocking us. Because I believe at our core, we all are open-hearted and have so much potential to be loving. And that's something that's within us. It's not something that someone else brings out in us. It's something that we have within us. And so switching out a partner isn't necessarily going to make us more loving. And that's the really hard part to sit with is realizing that like, wow, if I'm not being loving and open-hearted right now, I wonder why, I wonder what's blocking me from being able to give and receive that love instead of, hmm, I wonder if someone else would be able to make me be more like that. So to summarize that piece around kind of analyzing, I really think that when we're analyzing how attracted we are to somebody in the moment, it's a big part of what contributes to us feeling less attracted to them in that moment. So instead, what we can really do is take a beat. Bring ourselves back to present moment safety, not future worries of will I be able to actually love this person right or are they the right person for me and, and thinking about all of that, but bringing yourself back to the present moment where you're safe. Go back to the last week's episode where I talked to Dr. Russell Kennedy about this present moment safety. Am I safe in this moment? The answer is typically always yes, because unless you're in immediate danger, you are safe in the moment. And then Bringing yourself back to what is one thing that I can just focus on right now that draws me into my partner as a person, as a full person, not just an outer shell. So that's one practice that I'll leave you with today. And it's a really important one to try and interrupt the fear and the future thinking and bringing yourself back to present moment safety as much as you can. And when you're in present moment safety, you may be more present to some of the uncomfortable feelings that are trying to come up. And it's okay if those feelings need to come up in the form of tears or the form of just like really feeling like your body is kind of like 
moving this energy around that could come out in the form of shaking it can come out in the form of needing to go for a long walk like if you feel really restless because you have energy that's just circling around your body from discomfort and the feelings that can be important to allow to happen i cried the other day doing a breathwork video because i had a trigger come up i'll talk about this potentially in another episode but a trigger come up around divorce, which is something that has been a trigger of mine since the beginning of this relationship anxiety journey. And when I just really allowed my body to feel the sensations that were coming up and then release the energy through crying, I felt so much better. But what happens instead is we just let ourselves think, 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 and try to think our way out of this problem instead of feeling our way out. So let's end now with some final thoughts on attraction. I want to leave these with you again, just to to think about, to decide what resonates, to see what feels good, knowing that there is no one right set of beliefs on attraction. You get to create your own. I want to offer you the opportunity to make peace with attraction being something that ebbs and flows, something that is in a state of flux, that is not necessarily 100% there or 0% there, that can have great areas in between. Some moments might feel stronger, some moments might not feel strong, and knowing that all of that is okay. I also want to offer you the opportunity to cultivate attraction starting within yourself. How you're feeling internally about yourself, how you're feeling internally about life, how you're feeling internally energetically, how your state of mind and the state of your body is feeling, because that can really affect how you view others around you. And for me, what's really, really helped me lately is I don't just respond to anxiety in moments when it is high. I don't just respond in reactive moments of, oh, now I should go fix this. I've gotten into much better practices and habits of being proactive to take care of my state, to take care of my mind, to take care of my body, and to show up and sit down Spend 10 minutes in the morning actually breathing or making sure that I really get in movement every day. Things that proactively take care of myself. And they sound simple, but I think we can resist simple when simple is actually a lot of times what is really helpful to us. So if we're so busy, go, go, go all the time, we don't make any time to love on ourselves, to connect back to ourselves, then how are we going to offer that same love to other people. Another thing to consider about attraction here is taking time to foster a relationship with yourself towards activities that really light you up and fulfill you. And this can be separate from your partner. So things like hobbies or friendships or time with family or creative time, um, whatever it is, something that fulfills you that is your own and hopefully your partner also has the same. Esther Perel talks about this in her book Meeting in Captivity, how when we're too connected to somebody then we lose a lot of the mystery that creates attraction and so if you find that part of the reason why you're maybe less attracted to your partner in certain phases is because you feel like you're just constantly around them, you're constantly seeing them in their sweats around the house, whatever it is, Really making sure to carve out time to have your own separate activities, take time away from each other, um, and make that a part of your relationship. And then also creating novelty 
in your relationship, such as doing new activities together, making sure that you're not just in kind of the same old, same old routine. And the last thing to consider, which I think we all kind of know this rationally, but it's always worth a reminder, I think. And I say this with so much love, so much compassion to all of us. We're going to all be old and gray one day, and that includes ourselves. And that can be really scary to think about. And I think that every person has their own conditioning around what it means to age, what it means to look older, what it means to not look youthful, whatever it is. And I think that when we can really tap into this spirit of all of us getting older, all of us changing appearances, moment to moment, all of us continuing to grow and evolve as people, we can hopefully see the bigger picture of what a relationship can bring us in the totality versus the short term, which is kind of tied back to this attraction piece because there's a short-term attraction that we have towards someone, but then there's also just the whole way that they're going to evolve as a person throughout their life. And there are certain people that continue to age and they look somehow even more in their prime as they're getting older and older. And there's some people that have felt like their prime was back when they were a lot younger and their body and face and all of these things are changing it doesn't even matter. I think the the whole notion of having a prime is even kind of a silly thing to begin with, but again, something that we've been conditioned just to think about. And so when we just keep in mind that we're all going to be old and gray one day and bring that into the present moment as a reminder, it can help us realize that there are other things to make decisions about than just the physical appearance. But again, the same reminder from the beginning of the podcast, you always have a choice of whether or not you want to be in a relationship. And so making that choice intentionally is very powerful when we get the chance to do so. I hope that you were able to pick up some new ideas on attraction through this podcast. It's kind of a different set of beliefs maybe than some of the mainstream stories around like you have to be fully attracted in every moment. And attraction is one of the most important things. But for me, the beliefs that I've just shared in this episode and, you know, my beliefs on love and relationships in general have definitely become less shame-based over the last few years. And for that, I'm very grateful. So I'd love to hear from you what you picked up from this episode uh, feel free to send me a DM at you love and you learn on Instagram with a takeaway that you had. And if this episode resonated with you and you think somebody else in your life might enjoy it, I would love to have you share it with them. It's a great way to start a conversation and talk about things that are maybe not talked about as often with your friends or with loved ones. Thank you so much and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the You Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, 
the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.